COVID. Words that nine months ago we would have never said, and yet COVID has created three things in our lives. First of all, it's created disruption, hasn't it? Man, I went to the store the other day, and I'm trotting into the store, and all of a sudden I am just panicking because I realize I am about to enter a store, and I am not wearing a mask. And then I'm going through this whole thing of where did I put the mask, you know? I mean, it, it's, I feel like it's grandma's Kleenex. You know, I, I have one in this pocket of this jacket and one in this pocket of this jacket and that kind of thing. And, and, it, and there's this disruption that you feel, don't you? This, this sense that even as we sang today, I, I hate the fact that we have to wear masks even though I know that we, we should because it's a disruption. And, and I couldn't hear Isaiah's voice as well as I usually do during singing. You know, it's a disruption. There's all kinds of disruptions that go along with it, aren't there? There's divisions that go along with it too, aren't there? Different things, it's dividing us in new and exciting ways that we've never been divided before, isn't it? And all of us are talking about deliverance, aren't we? Oh, to be back to normal, to be delivered from this. When will the vaccine come out and a whole bunch of other people take it first? You know, all those things that we're thinking. When Jesus Christ came to earth, when Jesus Christ put on his earth suit, as one man put it, when Jesus Christ stopped just being God and went from being fully God to fully God and fully man, that was a bigger disruption. That caused a different kind of division. But praise God, it created a different kind of deliverance. That's what we want to talk about today as we continue our series, Oh, Come, Let Us Adore Him. And what we want to adore today is the God who is with us, Emmanuel. This is what it says. It says, God with us. Christ's birth is about God moving from omniscience to Emmanuel. Think about that. Isn't that a cool phrase? I wish it was mine. It's Wayne Grudem's. But moving from omniscient to Emmanuel. The miracle that is incarnation, Jesus Christ, fully God, fully man, one person forever. And we want to talk about that, but as we talk about that, here's what it says in John to describe it. It says, the true light which enlightens everyone was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, yet the world did not know him. It goes on and says this, he came to his own, and his own did not receive him. But to all who receive him, who believe in his name, He gave them the right to become children of God. And it goes on and says this. It says, Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelled among us. And we have seen his glory, the glory of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Today we're talking about God being with us, and we're going to be talking about these three D's. These three D's that really kind of, 
describe incarnation, to describe the reality of it. The first D is disruption. And certainly Jesus Christ coming as a baby was a disruption. The first way it was a disruption was a virgin birth by crisis pregnancy. Think about this just for a minute. You know, we've been talking about opening up the crisis pregnancy center over in Saranac Lake. But Jesus Christ's birth was a crisis pregnancy. It went like this. In the sixth month, the angel Gabriel sent from God to the city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. And so there was this young lady. She was probably around the age of 14. And she was, she was engaged to be married to a guy named Joseph. This is a very serious disruption because this is a two-angel disruption, okay? When you look at Scripture, there's very few times that angels speak to man. But in this situation, there's a two-angel disruption. And the virgin's name was Mary. And he came to her and says, Greeting, O favored of the Lord, O favored one, the Lord is with you. But she was greatly troubled at the saying and tried to discern what sort of greeting this might be. And the angel said to her, you know, this is very interesting. Because she's doing exactly what every woman does when we talk. Well, what did you mean when you said that? I know what your words were, but I was listening to your tone. And there's something in your tone that I noticed. You know, as a man, my wife will say, did you hear the... The, the tone of that person, I'm like, no, I, I, I can't remember what they said, you know. <laughs> she was greatly troubled because why was she favored of the Lord? What was, what, what was this angel saying? And it goes on, and we know the story, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have been found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord of God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. And so she was going to have a baby. This is the most interesting pregnancy test in the world, huh? I remember coming home when Nancy was finding out that we were going to have David. And she was crying, and her mom was crying, and her sister was crying, and Grace meets me and says, Mom wants to talk to you. She's upstairs crying with her. And I'm like, oh, no. But it was great news. David has been one of the greatest things that happened. But he was a disruption. And here you have this young girl, good Jewish girl, She's engaged, getting all excited about getting married and everything, and all of a sudden an angel shows up and disrupts the situation. And Mary said to them, how can this be since I'm a virgin? How, how am I going to have a baby when I'm not even married yet? What are you talking about? She's being very practical. And the angel answered her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most God will overshadow you. Therefore, the child will be born will be called Holy, the Son of God. There is something miraculous going to be taking place in this in vitro conception. 
And so this baby is going to be different than any human that's ever lived. And he's going to be the Son of God. Matthew tells the other side of the story. Now the birth of Jesus took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And her husband, Joseph, being a, a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. So now he knows that she's pregnant and he knows he has nothing to do with it. And so he's doing what seems like the, the right thing because the right thing is he could just take her outside and have his friend stone her to death. That's the right thing. But he decides to do the just thing and so he's going to just quietly just take care of these things. But as he was considering these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying... Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Disruption. Unplanned pregnancy. That was a part of incarnation. All this took place to fulfill but it had been spoken by the prophet, Isaiah, prophet and it's found in Isaiah 7.14. It says this, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. And when Joseph woke up from the sleep, he did what as the angel of the Lord commanded him, and he took, he took his wife, and he knew not until she had given birth to a son, and his name was Jesus. But see, there's a bigger disruption to this. Not only is there a disruption of an unplanned pregnancy, but there also there's an emergency delivery. Because Jesus wasn't born in a hospital. Jesus wasn't born in a home. Jesus Christ was born in a stable. The, the, the disruption continued. In Luke it says this, while they were there, the kind came for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her first son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. You see, the whole community was in an uproar, and there was a disruption, and it was an unplanned pregnancy. Luke goes on and says this, for unto you... This day is born in the city of David, talking to the shepherds, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and laying in a manger. Disruption. Disruption. An evacuation. Not only is there disruption of, a, of an unplanned pregnancy and, and uh, an emergency birth, but there's also an evacuation to Egypt to avoid assassination. And as you read on in the story, you find out that Jesus at age two had the wise men visit after they went and saw Herod, right? And after the wise men visited, this is what they were told. 
Now when they had departed, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Rise, take the child and her mother, and flee to Egypt, and remain there until I tell you, for Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had said by the prophet, Out of Egypt I will call my son. You know, if you take a look at the stress points for people in their lives, you know, there's so many stress points for moving. There's so many stress points for change in job. There's so many stress points for having a child. There's so many more stress points for having a surprise child. There's a lot of disruption that went along with incarnation, isn't there? But it wasn't just an interruption at the beginning of his life. It was an interruption during his whole life. He, he ends up being raised by a single parent. I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but after age 12 where it says that Joseph and Mary took him to the temple at that age, we never hear of Joseph again. I had a dear man in our church in Florida who was raised by a single parent whose father abandoned him. And he were, we were studying the life of Christ, and he says, don't like that Joseph at all. Bet you he was a jerk. Why? Because of the disruptions in his own life played into how he felt about Joseph, even though the Word of God tells us that he was a righteous and good man. All of a sudden, Mary, at some point, went from from taking care of a child with a husband to being alone. We don't know why. We don't know that part of the story. We assume that he probably died and because he was older than Mary. But think of that. That was another disruption that, that the incarnate Christ felt. There was other disruptions too. There was sibling cynicism when it came to Jesus. I, I'm not sure I would want to be Jesus' brother. Okay? Why can't you be more like Jesus? You know? In John, we see that his brothers didn't believe him. And in Mark, we see that they thought he was out of his mind after he became the Messiah. So he didn't have the family support of others. There were a lot of disruptions. And see, sometimes when we think of incarnation, we think of this little story right here. So pretty, you know? And we forget all the disruption that went along with the reality of him being the incarnate Christ. I, I, I think that he also lived a sorrowful life. One of the passages in studying the life of Christ that one of my mentors poet made us think about for a while was found in Psalms chapter 69, verses 7 through 12. Think about what is being said this. For it is for your sake that I have borne reproach and that dishonor has covered my face. It goes on and says, I have become a stranger to my brother and an alien to my mother's sons. For the zeal of your house has consumed me, and the reproaches of those who reproach you have fallen upon me. I don't think that Jesus Christ didn't have some of the passions he did at age 30. I think he grew up with those passions. 
I was talking to somebody recently, and one of the lives that, that has really touched my life is Billy Graham's life. And Billy Graham was kicked out of Bible school because he went to a very strict Bible school to start with, and they had a curfew. And Billy Graham, even as a teenager, was already beginning to pray for the world. And so he would, he would get up in the middle of the night, and he'd turn on his light. And it was lights out time. And so they kept on rebuking him to the point that he ended up leaving that school and going to Wheaton. And when he went to Wheaton, he had such a deep heart for the Lord that they finally gave him his own room. Because what he would do is he would wake up his his roommates and go, we need to pray for the world. And he wore roommates out, so they finally gave him his own room. But I I think that when we think of Jesus Christ being a man of sorrows, we think often of the cross, but we don't think about the whole life he lived. I I think that he was made fun of most of his life because I don't think he looked like his other brothers. I, I think that he already had a deep passion for things of the Lord, and he would take the Sabbath more seriously than other people. And he would take the going to the synagogue more seriously than other people. And people thought he was just a little radical. You've, you've heard this before, haven't you? You know, I want to love Jesus. I want to be sold out, but I don't want to be weird. I think at times his brothers looked at him and, and they saw this in him. When I weep and humbled my soul with fasting, it became my reproach. And when I made sackcloth my clothing, I became a byword to them. When he would put on the clothing of humility, when he would go through periods of fasting, he would have that experience. It says this of his life. It says, I am the talk of those who sit at the gate, and drunkards make songs about me. Wow. I was on YouTube looking for some videos on how to make boxes. And this thing popped up on my videos, and it was about a very popular comic. And it was about why he was an atheist. And so I turned it on, and I listened to him mock our faith. This man has, has been the MC for the Oscars and the Grammys and other award shows. But he thinks we're funny and goofy. But the thing that was the saddest to me is it was very obvious to me that he had been around church enough because the kind of jokes he made weren't the kind of jokes that a secular person could make about the church. And about Jesus. But Jesus Christ went through these things as a child. See, people could do math. So when did your parents get married? Oh. They got married and um, the math doesn't work. He lived in little communities. He was mocked and made fun of. That was his life. I think that we think that all of these things happened after you know, you're 30 when he accepted his ministry. But incarnation meant for Jesus Christ a life of sorrow. 
of humility, of shame. Isaiah says this, Who has believed what they have heard from us, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For he grew up like a young plant, and like a root out of dry ground. He had no form of majesty that we shall look at him, and no beauty that we should desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief, as one for whom men hid their faces. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. It goes on and says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. He was wounded for our transgressions, and he was crushed for our iniquities. I think that the life of Christ, the incarnation of Christ, this disruption that it meant to him, I can't imagine the angels who adored the, the, the Trinity watching Jesus Christ go what he went through. We can't be surprised what we, by what we experience in life. Listen, we're talking about the Son of God, the perfect human who spoke more clearly than anybody, was more intelligent than anyone, and he had a really rough time. And then we're surprised how in our fallibility we have some of those same experiences. But the disruption for incarnation was absolutely huge. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And by his stripes we are healed. He was a misunderstood Messiah. Everybody decided what Jesus was supposed to be like, and Jesus didn't always fit that really well, did he? There were times that they were very frustrated because they thought the Messiah was going to be the king, right? And he was going to, he was going to take care of those stupid Romans. And that's not what he came to do. He came to make a difference in their life. And so he was a misunderstood. In, in the same way, I think God is misunderstood today at times. Have you ever had somebody come up to you and say, how could a loving God da 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 da? If God is love, then why da da da? All of these things. The Messiah was misunderstood. I, I think that the, we don't remember that. Now, when Jesus Christ came to the district of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do the people say that the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, and others Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. Then Jesus looked at them and said, but who do you say that I am? And Peter answered, replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. You know, the first thing is disruption. We have to remember that the incarnation was incredible disruption from the second Jesus Christ 
was conceived, there was disruption in the lives of people. There was disruption in the order of heaven. But the second thing that is true is that there were divisions. You know, we talked a little bit about it because Jesus Christ was the reality. He was the real Messiah. He lined up with everything that Scripture said. Think of how many prophecies that we've just brushed across even today. But people's perception of what the Messiah was supposed to be as opposed to who he was were two very different things. One of the things that we have to be so careful of today is that there are people that are taking their perceptions of what they want Jesus Christ to be and saying that's who he is instead of looking to Scripture and seeing the reality of who he really is. But one of the divisions that exists was because there was a difference between reality and perception. The second division came from this. There was reality and there was misguided opinions. I don't know if you know this, but the first great council of the church revolved completely around incarnation because there was heresy. It was in Chalcedon. And it was all about deciding what incarnation really meant because there were people that were trying to say that it meant different things. Well, he's kind of God, but he's a human. Or he's not really human, but he is God. And those things had to be spoken against. And the first time that the church came together to make a statement about doctrine and what we believe, it was about incarnation. Because the incarnation created division. But here's, here's, here's the good news today. Incarnation means deliverance. God with us means deliverance. This is what it says in Hebrews. Therefore he, who had, therefore, he had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might be a merciful and faithful priest in the service of God. To make propitiation for the sins of people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Jesus Christ had to be completely human or he couldn't have been the Savior. But here's the reality. If he was just a great human, that was not enough. The only way he could be the Savior is he also had to be God. This is what it says in Romans. This is a little longer passage, but I I just couldn't abbreviate it because it was too good. But the free gift is not like the trespass. For if many died through one man's trespass, much more have the grace of God and the free gift by grace of that one man, Jesus Christ, abounded for many. See, in this passage, it's talking about the first Adam and the fact that he brought us all into sin, but Jesus Christ is the new Adam, and he brings us all into grace. It goes on and says this, And the free gift is not like the result of the one man's sin, for the judgment following one trespass brought condemnation, 
but the free gift following many trespasses brought about brought justification, which means just as if I'd never sinned. It goes on and says this, if because of one man's trespass death reigned through that one man, much more will those who receive the abundance of grace and the free gift of righteousness reign in life through the one man, Jesus Christ. Therefore, as one trespass led to condemnation for all men, so one act of righteousness led to justification and life for all men. For as by one man disobedience the many were made sinners, so by one man's obedience many will be made righteous. Now the law came in to increase the trespass, but where sin increased, grace abounded all the more. So that as sin reigned in death, grace also might reign through righteousness leading to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. We can be one with him because he made himself one with us. That's That right there, that's, that capsulizes all of what it means that God is with us. He went from being omnipotent to being incarnate. And in being incarnate, he offered himself so we receive his righteousness. Look, if you are in this room or listening to this podcast, this live cast today, and you have not asked Jesus Christ to be your personal Savior, that is the whole point of the incarnation. The whole point of it is that Jesus Christ came to be the perfect sacrifice so we could have relationship with God because our sin, not Adam's sin, our own sin, separates us from God. But Jesus Christ died on the cross to take our place and take the punishment that so that you can have relationship with God. Now, many in, the, in, the, in this room have already made this decision. And so this is a woohoo moment. It's like, yes, Jesus, you did that for me. But there are some of you in this room or maybe watching this online tonight, and you're like, I don't know. I need to give it some thought. Because somehow you are still trying to decide if you believe the reality of who you're saying the Messiah is is the perception that you're going to embrace. Bigger than that, you're deciding whether or not you need a Savior at all. And I beg you today, realize that the whole reason that Jesus Christ came to earth and was God was with us was so that he could save us. And that can include you, but you have to make that decision. Pray the simple prayer. God, I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. Thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thanks for taking my spot. Thank you for your forgiveness. Now help me realign my life to remember that you are my Lord and my King. If you pray those words, you begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. Disruption, division, 
deliverance. It's the same cycle. This is what COVID's done to us. It's disrupted us, isn't it? My mother turns 80 this month. Happy birthday, Mom. I know that she's going to watch today sometime. I won't be there for her Christmas celebration because she was born Christmas Day. Disruption. Division. All kinds of divisions are taking place. But we, God's people, instead of turning to someone else, we need to turn back to the Lord and say, God, how are you supposed to deliver us in this time of COVID? God, how are you supposed to deliver us in the time of this election we don't understand or are trying to figure out? God, how are you supposed to to deliver us from the disruptions that we feel? God, how are you supposed to deliver us from the divisions that we sense in our life? Some of you are separated from family, and so Christmas, it doesn't sound like a great time because it's just a reminder that you are not the Norman Rockwell family at all. Some of you are going through a Christmas where you're missing somebody that's just not there. They were taken maybe through COVID or just because of life and you are being reminded of those things. But I want to tell you that incarnation, God with us informs everything else. God with us informs every disruption God with us forms every division. God with us is our deliverance. And so, God, in this time where some people are trying to put their hopes in all different kinds of things, they're mad at our government because they want some more money. They're mad at their neighbor because they don't wear the mask right. They're mad at their children because they don't love doing school online. And all of us need deliverance. We need to do exactly what Peter did after he, he wanted to play. Remember Peter wanted to play? Jesus was walking through the water. Peter says, can I do it? But he got on in the water and he got caught up in the disruptions. And he remembered the division. Wait a minute. I can't walk on water ever before and disruption and division brought another D drowned I brought that D up and as he was going down he said Lord save me and Jesus Christ did not lecture him he just reached out and saved him God doesn't want to lecture us today he just wants to deliver us from the divisions and disruptions. And that's why he came. Let's pray. How many of you need delivered today? If you need delivered, raise your hand. I need some deliverance, God. God, you see these hands and you see our need. And so, God... In this moment, move from just being present with us to being our Emmanuel, to being our Messiah.
And God, in this moment, we ask you to deliver us. And we thank you. I still do not understand the concept that the God of Almighty of Heaven who created everything, like John says, the Maker became a baby. And so I thank you, God. And I pray that we over and over again can experience your incredible deliverance as our God. Save us, we pray. Amen. Let's stand together and let's sing the chorus. Oh, come, let us adore him as a benediction to our service today. Oh, come let us adore.